How do we start this? Uh, I don't know. How do people normally start this? I don't know. Welcome to my podcast. Okay, well, let's try that. Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you think you should redo this or? <laughs> no, I think it's good. Okay. All right. <laughs> morning everyone welcome back to another monday okay so a couple of things are new one we've been having some real real issues with our recording so i really apologize to everybody all of our listeners just for sticking with us we are as listed at the very beginning but is actually more true than we thought it was going to be not professionals but we're trying our best and we're, we're figuring out one thing at a time so we really appreciate everyone's patience okay so I think the last episode, Taylor wasn't here. So Taylor has been out of the country for the first time. So I feel like I'm welcoming you as a guest. So this is a little weird, but welcome back, Taylor. How was your trip? Hi, thank you. It's so nice to be back. Our trip was really good. Kyle and I actually ended up getting sick while we were in Vegas. So that part really tanked. But other than that, Disneyland was pretty cool. Very long day, by the way. We were there from like 7.30 in the morning until 11.30 at night. Yeah, Flo, you're raising your eyebrows at me, but it's true. We were there all day. (laughs) And then just like seeing Vegas and seeing all of like the sick hotels and everything that they do is pretty cool. But not going to lie, definitely missed my kids by day five and was so ready to come home. So very happy to be home, but it was a good experience for sure. Well, that's awesome. Well, I'm very proud of you for leaving the country. I'm happy that you're back, but I'm very proud of you for uh, losing your V-card to good old Disneyland in Vegas. I feel like there's not really a better way to do that. So we have been dealing with, as I said previously, a few, what should we call them, Taylor, technical issues? Or just our own fuck-ups. Let's just be honest here. So we actually, we posted on our socials that hopefully some of you would have seen, I'm saying, please, hopefully, please follow us, that we were, our original episode that we were going to air today was with my friend Allison, and we were going to talk about livestock guardian dogs and farming, and just about working dogs in general. But we recorded for maybe an hour and 45 minutes, which for us is about an hour worth of content. <laughs> Then, yeah, we were like, we're feeling really good about ourselves. We're like, this episode is good. This is really awesome. And then it decided to only record a little bit of it at the beginning, which is just basically what you've already heard today. So we have to re-record. So we have had to rearrange with Alison for that. But we have some good news, two bits of good news. We actually have a really cool guest on today that we're going to talk to in just a little minute. But also, as an apology for our previously say to fuck up, we are going to do back-to-back episodes. There will be an episode today, obviously, because you're listening to this. And there will also be an episode next week, which will have Alison on it. So we hope that that will be compensation enough for our inadequacies. Thank you so much for sticking with us. So Taylor, do you want to introduce this today's guest? So this lovely lady has become a pretty good friend of mine in a very short period of time. She is a wonderful support and she also would love to be in a dog trainer's shoes at some point in her life. Right now she is working in the veterinary med world and she has a beautiful baby boy porter who I am absolutely obsessed with and she will tell you all about it so just introduction Sam so my name is Sam I'm 26 years old and I'm a veterinarian assistant I have been in the industry for about six years Judah will be six years and I love it (laughs) some days are good some days are bad but that comes with everything in 
industries in general. How did you get into vet med? So it takes a lot. It is something that you have to really enjoy. You have to continue learning. You have to continue up with everything that's going on. Because just like human medicine, there is lots and lots of different uh, research, new medicine. So the veterinary medicine is not an easy industry to be in. It obviously takes a toll on everybody and anybody, even just a regular person being like, hey, I want to be a receptionist. It does take quite a person to be able to do that. It's a lot of the times where I'm learning still now to this day not to take stuff home, but it is something that is, it is not for everybody. Yeah, I definitely worked in vet med for a very short period of time and holy shit, like you don't understand the amount one does. And I worked as a receptionist basically there and you don't understand the amount of shit you get thrown you get thrown like the rude ass clients you get the i want my prescription today why is it not ready today okay well dude like it's it you legally have to be signed by a doctor to get this prescription like i can't just fill it because i work at the vet clinic i'm giving you gabapentin which is also a legal drug for people it needs a prescription by a doctor and like not to mention all of like the surgery, standing for freaking 12 hours. It's insanity. Tell us a little bit about the good parts about it. Because I now I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> that none of that sounds enjoyable. Like, but you obviously, I mean, do you, do you like what you do? I do. So obviously puppies, kittens, everything like that. Fabulous. You obviously see the big wiggle, goldens, labs anything oodle, Bernese's, you see all the things. My clinic recently, like, we don't see a lot of, like, puppies, like, first time, like, eight-week-old puppy, unfortunately, but those are super fun as well, too. But honestly, too, like, learning is the biggest thing. Like, keeping up with everything is also something that's great as well, too. I don't think people truly understand how much work actually goes into this, though. Like, you are the nurses of the veterinary world. Do you find that you get enough compensation or you, that you're recognized enough in this industry? Absolutely not. <laughs> so I was very surprised by the compensation and about just like being recognized in this industry. As um, a lot of people don't know is there's obviously there's reception, vet assistants and veterinary registered technicians, and then obviously your veterinarians. I am personally a veterinarian assistant, but I am techie-ish, but I do help my techs a lot. Now, they are kind of the all-stars. They do the anesthesiology, they do the dentistry, they do the radiographs, they do everything and anything, drug protocols. So honestly, I give them the whole, like, they don't get compensated enough. But again, like with me, day-to-day, -day, I monitor anesthetics every day four times a day sometimes depending on the day and it's hard it's stressful it's a lot of work and yeah oh it's it's a lot and no we don't get paid enough that's for sure <laughs> it's crazy to me I I mean that's so interesting like I was saying earlier like I considered it when I was a wee one but I never actually seriously considered it because I just had so many horror stories honestly from people that I knew who worked in vet med and, and all of these things and I just have so much respect for anybody who, who works in there and I've, I've definitely heard a lot of people say that they're not compensated enough that sucks <laughs> that really blows because you are transitioning into training in the long term is that something that you 
Is that one of the reasons that you're maybe transitioning out or are you just kind of looking at a different avenue or tell us a little bit about like your, what made you maybe want to look more into training thing? Is it a shared passion? Like, I'm just so curious about it. (laughs) Yes. So I, like Taylor had mentioned, I do have a gorgeous boy named Porter. He has been my world. He's actually brought that passion out of me. I've grown up with dogs, I've grown up with chow chows, which are non-sporting dogs, (laughs) but Porter has actually pushed me to get to where I would like to be, so dog training in general. Obviously, you do see the behavioral-ish in veterinary medicine. A lot of the times, we do send them off to the specialist, but we do see the dogs that have a little bit of, like, let's say, separation anxiety, or they're anxious, or they come to the vet and they want to bite us kind of thing, so we see that kind of side, and usually it's medications. But there's obviously other ways to do that. But yeah, no, my dog has definitely brought that passion out of for me. Is there something that you see most often in the vet industry? Do you see like neglect cases, more cancer cases, you know, a lot of dogs with long ass nails, that kind of stuff? So the long ass nails, I see it more often than we should. And a lot of the times, yes, dogs have it, but cats, but that's a whole other subject. But honestly, people don't understand the upkeep to nails. Like, pretend that you are walking on high heels constantly and can't get a grip because your nails are embedded into your feet or your hands or whatever. Um, We see it way too often. And of course, it's painful. Like, when they are embedded, you do have to do that and get it fixed. And it takes antibiotics, sedation, and medication. I haven't seen it actually for quite some time now, but a lot of the times too, we have one of our doctors who's really, really good with like desensitization and she's always like, play with your puppy's feet. Please play with your puppy's feet. Some dogs play with their feet, their ears, all the things and they still want to try and bite us. (laughs) But obviously it's a very stressful situation, but yes, nail care is something that people should really recognize um, and try to desensitize their dogs to nail clippings or taking them to the groomers or just take them to the vet to do nails as often as humanly possible if they can. Wow, yeah, I honestly, dogs with long nails are one of my biggest literal pet peeves because it it drives me mental and like as I have a lot of boarding clients come through and I see training clients, but the boarding clients, because they're in my home, are the ones that I notice the most and I'm just like, oh my god, why, why? Like, can you please cut your dog's nails? So I don't be so rude at a vet clinic because I'd just be like, <laughs> which my role in this episode is just to applaud your patience and your ability to deal with shit. Clients and they're like, can you cut my dog's nails? And I'm like, no, <laughs> you can't cut your own dog's nails. And then that's kind of an issue. And I find that like my vets are always offering to cut. They're like, oh, like, would you, would you want a complimentary nail cut? So I'm imagining that people walking in with their high heel dogs all the time into vet clinics, they must be like, oh, how about this complimentary service? Oh, $5 for a nail if your dog's on surgery anyway. Like, I, I definitely, that makes sense now because it must come through there a lot. I actually am going to leave this episode in Taylor's capable hands because I have to go to a training session right now. Say, Mwah. I'm going to leave you with Taylor and more capably Sam of this episode. <laughs> and uh, catch you all next week. Mwah. Rude, get the fuck out of here. Bye. (laughs) So also being in the vet med industry, you come across a lot of 
do's and don'ts. So with your experience and your knowledge now, what would you recommend for new pet owners to not do? Do not go to the dog park, please or thank you. That's the biggest thing is do not go to the dog park. Not only, obviously, it's over-arousing, all that kind of stuff, but it is loaded with, you name it, kennel cough is so contagious. And you, like, honestly, in the last six years, I have seen so many different strains of kennel cough. It's disgusting. That's one of the biggest things. No dog parks. And two, pet insurance. Please get pet insurance. It is a lifesaver. I know that there is some obviously bad things about it that you have to pay x amount of dollars but it is going to save you so much money like for myself they've covered twenty six thousand dollars in four years that's a lot of money and i don't have that (laughs) don't have that kind of money either so no dog parks please and pet insurance please and thank you yeah definitely no dog parks pet insurance that's a tough subject i feel like there's such controversy when it comes to pet insurance because People are like, don't go with Trupanion because Trupanion's monthly rate is so expensive and go with Fetch instead or go with XYZ, you know, go with Costco even. There's some people who go with them. And at the end of the day, I'm with Trupanion. I've never had an issue with Trupanion. I really enjoy them. It's $200 for both Penny and Atlas to be insured. Atlas is deductible is 500 pennies is 100 or 200 and honestly Penny's got hip dysplasia and spinal arthritis like she's only five years old she's gonna get worse as she gets older and it's only gonna come more and more handy also like I just said earlier Atlas was in the vet office on Monday and Tuesday this week it's gonna come in handy for him as well I just see it so what is your experience with all of this? insurance debacle so like you said people fight so much on it they say oh i'll just put a hundred bucks in the bank oh i'm going to separate account and i kind of sit there and i'm like yeah but on a nice sunny day oh hey it's just it's something that you can always just not even think about like a lot of the times the clinics actually do it for you guys, like true patty, like you guys have, it's got an express. I can click a button and it's sent off and you get your money within five, 10 minutes sometimes. And that's amazing. But people don't get it. And they're like, Oh, I can't afford that. Or no, I can't afford that. And I'm like, I get it. I do. But you know, fluffy at six weeks old, he kind of told you this is a breed that unfortunately is going to have issues growing up. And a lot of the times I am that said person that goes to all the puppies and kittens and says, hey, here's my pamphlets, please get pet insurance. And then a year later, they're like, oh, no, we never got it. Oh, no, now Fluffy's eaten a sock and now has to have intestinal surgery that cost two, three grand. Well, how are you going to pay for that? Oh, I don't know. Oh, pet insurance would have paid for that right off the bat. Just saying. (laughs) But it's just... It's always a struggle. It's same with it's what it is too is if let's say Fluffy didn't have any issues from let's say one to five, they're like, ah, cancel it. Then let's say six, seven, eight, and all of a sudden we're now limping. We now have a lump that we want biopsied or taken off. We want all these things. And now 
they go and get Pinterest again, and now it's all pre-existing because you've now canceled your insurance. And that's another huge one that is just a whole rabbit hole in itself. <laughs> yeah, I do find that people are like, oh, my dog is totally healthy. It's two years old. It's great. It's fantastic. And then they're like, oh, let's just cancel it because we don't need it. But realistically, the problems start forming around the age of five. Correct me if I'm wrong. And that's when, you know, arthritis starts to show, you know, the lumps do start to show as they get older. So in your experience with people who have not gotten insurance, do you see more dogs and and cats being euthanized? Sorry, everybody, opposed to, you know, the owner scrounging to get all of the cash to pay for Fluffy's surgery. So yeah, that's a hard one. Yes and no. I'm kind of borderline in the middle. So there is obviously other ways, like there is pet insurance, but there's also something called pet card, which is kind of like a visa, like it's all for the owners. So that's also another way that they can do that. But a lot of the times too, they say, oh no, I can't afford that. And if they are an older pet, they do have to either opt to euthanize or to surrender to whichever rescue or whatever. And that is always a hard topic as well too, to kind of talk to an owner about that because they would no, not want to get rid of their pet essentially so poor fluffy if this is a lesson to anybody <laughs> to anybody out there thinking about getting a dog or a cat please get insurance even if it is fetch even if it is costco i don't know any kind of insurance just please do it it'll it'll save you get the insurance, please get the insurance. And even too, there's so many, like there's four companies that I know off the top of my head and they all have different things to them. Like with Pets Plus Us, you either have accident or illness or accident and illness, or you just get, I think there's like a wellness one, but even too, there's people that are like, oh, hey, I want to do an exam and some vaccines. And unfortunately, sometimes they can get up to like 300, 400 bucks by the time you're going to check out. You're like, well, I can't afford that. Well, how do I afford that? Would pet insurance pay for it? And I'm like, well, no, that's kind of like an oil change in your car. It's something that you do have to do annually or every three years or whatever. Like that is unfortunately something that you guys have to think about and put into perspective of like bills. So that's also another thing too, but yes, please get insurance. We clearly cannot preface it enough. Get your insurance, folks. You insure your car, insure your dog. So working in vet med, I would love to know your opinion on brachiophallic dogs. So for those who don't know what that big giant word means, because I didn't for a very long time. It's all of your short-nosed babies, so your pugs, your French tins, your Frenchies, your Boston bulldogs, your dogs. <laughs> what is your opinion on them gremlins? I love that you used gremlins. I love it. So, and I don't want to correct you, but it's brachycephalic. See what I mean? I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> like... I don't want to correct you, but yes. So these gremlins are a lot. They don't breathe on a good day and it's scary. It honestly, the cute little things is not ideal. Like your dog can't breathe 
there's obviously surgeries to correct these things. There's a nasal one, and there's also a soft palate one that's obviously in and back and all the things. But they are, a lot of the times, don't breathe well. So when said owners want to get, let's say, anal glands done and nail trims, and we have to put said gremlin onto their side, a lot of the times they turn blue. And it is not fun at all because they're so stressed out. But the owners need the nail trim or the anal glands done, but don't want to sedate the dog either before coming in. So these dogs, they cost a lot. And they will continue to cost a lot of money until they are, unfortunately, said euthanized or put down. But they are a walking train wreck, like absolutely walking train wreck. I definitely think that they became like the it dog, the designer dog. And all of a sudden these, you know, I want to say gorgeous Frenchies with a proper muzzle was booming and busting and then you got the backyard breeders going because they're like make a buck you know all of this stuff and all of a sudden they have no faces now it's just like flat they can't breathe they have so many skin issues most of them are overweight they have i think they are even prone to hip problems because when i watch a frenchie walk it's like their whole back end goes together they don't have separate steps. And this is just all from like my personal viewing. This isn't an educated background. This is just what I've noticed. And I've also noticed that there's something turning in the Frenchies. There's something starting to be actually mentally, neurologically wrong. And I would love to know if you feel the same or if maybe you've seen a difference in these gremlins. What is your take on that? Yeah, they are crazy. You get the nice Frenchies here and there or the pugs or the Bostons or whatever, but those French bulldogs, they are nasty sometimes. And honestly, they're just all over the place. We have one that like is white and literally walks into the door and he's pink like within seconds like he's just so amped up and just raring to go and is so excited but again sometimes he can be a little bit uneasy and I'm like well this is gonna be fun but even to add on to your skin issues and everything like that their backs if that dog jumps off of anything or goes down the stairs wrong 10 grand easy back surgery done like easy like your disc done so these dogs, honestly, they're cute sometimes if they're bred okay. <laughs> but unfortunately, you don't see the well-bred ones very often because they, you just don't. You see all the ones with all the, well, I see all the ones with all the issues, the allergies, the GI issues, even the breathing issues. Oh, my dog turns like purple when we go up the stairs. Okay, so your dog needs surgery to fix its nasal passages or its soft palate. So, yeah. Talk about walking vet bill gosh kyle and i were at costco last night and our cashier lady was extremely sweet she saw me buying seventeen thousand bags of dog treats and i asked her to subtotal it she's like oh are your dogs paying for their groceries and i was like oh no 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 i'm a dog trainer so i guess technically they kind of do anyways and she was actually telling me about her frenchie and she said 
yeah, she doesn't have a problem breathing. She has a nice snout and all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, I don't typically believe people because unless I'm actually seeing it in real life, you can tell me all of these great things about your dog. And then I meet your dog and your dog's actually a real big shithead. She showed me a photo and your dog doesn't really have much of a snout. It's there, but it's not really there. And then she proceeds to tell me that she's going to be bred next year. And I'm thinking to myself, oh boy. But I guess in hindsight, she is a CKC registered dog apparently. So there is a good sign. That means that she's going to get pin hip tests and whatever else she needs. That's all. That's the only test I know that they need. But I don't know if you have any other opinions. While we go to CKC and all that kind of stuff, like you said, obviously there's your hips. Pretty sure I haven't done it in years because the clinic that I'm at, we haven't done it since I've been there. We've done elbows in the past as well. Um, So that's also a really good one to do. And unfortunately, I am somebody that always sees a puppy online. I'm like, ooh, let me ask the breeder all the fancy questions. And a lot of the times, they are selling these dogs for two thousand plus, and they're like, oh no, we don't, we don't do any hip testing or any X-rays or this or that. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you're not. Why? And then they kind of just fluff it off as nothing. Oh no, the grandsire way back down was hip tested and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, that's not the way this works. But I personally think that, and even too, we do have, and we do offer like hips and like hip x-rays at like, let's say spay and neuter, or just like in general, and owners usually want it done, especially if let's say it's an actual physical, like well-bred, purebred, let's say golden lab, anything like that. They do want those hip tests and they do plan to breed, which I always give owners props to as well. Just to segue on hips, because we all know that you are the hip expert. Do you want to talk to us about Porter, all of his issues, and why insurance has actually been a absolute saving grace for you? Yes. So my boy is a walking mess. He is from a backyard breeder, so shame on me. But I did talk with her quite a bit. She did want a ridiculous amount of money as well, and I said, no, and I'm happy I kind of fought her on that because, unfortunately, insurance has paid out. Yeah, 26000 So Porter, unfortunately, has elbow dysplasia bilaterally. So bilaterally means in both joints. And he's had both of his knees actually done. So a TPLO surgery, which corrects the slant in the knee. So my dog is also a four-year-old American bully. He... Yes, so four-year-old American bully has had surgery actually on three out of the four limbs on his body. We have x-rayed every single joint on this dog. His hips will probably go later on down the road. As of right now, they're okay, but it's the elbows and the knees. We've had the TPLOs done, which the one leg was a perfect surgery for cover everything was great second one not so much we did move so keeping him down was quite a struggle but now he walks perfect walks perfectly but he runs without any pain on any of his limbs 
we are waiting for the right elbow to kind of show us some lameness. I thought I seen that at the beginning of this year, and I honestly cried a lot. But we did x-rays, and everything seemed okay. The next thing is obviously if he starts looking again, we do have to go to a CT scan, and then it'll probably be surgery as well. Man, good thing you work in the vet med industry. I will say, like, yes, you guys are not compensated correctly or appreciated enough. But, man, you guys get screaming good deals. You get everything at cost, which is insane. I remember when I had my first dog on Prozac, and it was like $130 a bottle of Prozac. And when I was working at the vet clinic, it was like 50 bucks. It's like, oh, nice. <laughs> what a steal. <laughs> um, but <laughs> to go off of, like, how important insurance is it's definitely saved you a boat to ton of money what do you anticipate if you do have to go through with this next surgery do you anticipate the same kind of coverage that you have experienced for the other four limbs i would hope so there is obviously linings and like you gotta read your terms and everything like that and when we had the first knee done it was fine. It was covered. Everything was good. And then we went for the second knee and I gave him the estimate saying, hey, will you guys cover it? And it literally says somewhere in there, like, they will not cover bilateral. So meaning if one knee's had surgery, usually and 90% of the time, the other knee is going to go just because of much weight and pressure the dog is using it and the way that obviously the weight distributes and all that kind of stuff. So usually both knees will go. His honestly blew before it was just horrible. So I hope so. But again, they can try and fight me on it, but I would fight them on it anyway. So I would hope so. <laughs> I hope so too for you. In regards to hips and you being the uh, hip expert, as I said before, what would you suggest for new dog owners like maybe somebody who has a golden retriever puppy who potentially might have gotten just diagnosed with hip dysplasia. What would be your recommendations for somebody to help with that or what to look for or any recommendations on how to prevent that potentially? So preventing is hard because unfortunately a lot of the times it's genetics. Now, when I usually, when people say, oh, I got this puppy, and you know, I don't want the bad things to happen, obviously getting x-rays and all the things at the very beginning is hard because puppies are usually kind of rubber. Their growth plates are not set yet. So in our clinic, we usually say don't run, like, let's say, like a six-month-old puppy like consistently, which, cough, cough. I did, and that's how he first got his elbow uh, dysplasia. The fragments chipped off, and he was limping real, real good. So don't do that. Don't make a sand mistake. <laughs> um, so try and keep them. Like, don't run them so much. Don't try and let them like jump off of like really high things, anything like that. Because their growth plates aren't set yet. So that's the biggest thing is your growth plates. Just make sure your dog is completely fully grown before you start really doing all the crazy things that you want to do with the dog. So you just covered only preventatives. Give me the rest, lady. So preventatives, 
I personally, and honestly, a lot of the vets at my work do recommend Omega's supplements. If you are able to do Omega's, there's something called Antinol, which is your greenlit muscles. Anything greenlit muscles is absolutely amazing. There is preventatives. Yeah, I guess technically preventatives. Cartrophin is a type of supplement. You might actually have to talk to your vet about it. I think it has a DIN number, but that one actually lubricates the joints, which has been pretty cool. And I've seen quite a good, it's been a great experience for Porter and I. But yeah, so those are the biggest ones, especially if you don't want to put your dog on medication. Obviously, there's lots of medications out there. Medicam, Onsior, Galifrand. They've come out with a new thing called Labrella. So those are your biggest ones for your joints. Well, I'm already in the good books because Atlas is on Greenlit Muscle and Omegas. And he also gets recovery because Penny's on recovery. So I'm like, why not all of them? That's a big one. I think you will agree with this one, Sam. Don't start supplements after you've been diagnosed. Start supplements before to help prevent the things from happening. Start them as soon as you possibly can. Yes, please and thank you. (laughs) Patting myself on the back there. Another controversial topic that I think that you could touch a bit of Sam Sparkle on, your opinion on oodle mixes. I will just leave it at that. Your opinion on them. Oh, the oodle mixes. You see the oodles or golden doodles, labradoodles. There's now your burner doodles. There's so many different doodles ever. Some of them are quite lovely, like lovely, but there are some that are actually like psychotic. They are not great dogs to handle in the clinic sometimes. They are also not great as they have something called pendulous ears. Pendulous ears means floppy. And while they have that poodle in there, they usually have curly, 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 very, very thick ear hairs that is not fun to deal with. When you have to pluck them or when they have a nasty ear infection and you have to try and see in those ears, it is a pain in the butt to deal with. They are just honestly a pain. (laughs) It's okay as dog trainers don't have it any better. So (laughs) we see more of the psychotic though. And like, I find now the oodle, poodle, doodle mixes are the oh, it's okay, my dog's friendly vibes now. Before it was the labs and the goldens, and now it's all of the doodles. And I find doodles to be so unpredictable. You never know if you're going to get more poodle or oodle or ooty or booty, whatever it is. You don't know what you're getting. Not to mention Porter hates anything oodle, so I'll stand by him. Porter, I'm with you. I'm with you. Actually, there's only a few doodles that I really like. Shout out to Cooper and shout out to Oakley. They are sweet. Don't know if they're listening to us, but I'm going to pretend that they are. (laughs) Is there anything that you have really, really learned from vet med that you think about quite often? Like the other day, Kyle and I, again, were driving to Costco 
and this guy was on somebody's ass along the highway. And when I was learning how to drive, my dad told me, well, they should have left the house five minutes earlier. And that has stuck with me for my entire life. I do not care if you're on my ass and I'm going the speed limit. You should have left five minutes earlier. So do you have some sort of, you know, you should have left five minutes earlier that you think about every so often? Like I said before, veterinary medicine is always changing, like always. There's always new things, like like I mentioned, labrella is a new type of osteoarthritis medication, an injection, kind of is going to hopefully kick out most of your oral meds and help prevent osteoarthritis. So it is brand new. I am using it for poor. I'm kind of doing it as a test dummy, and I've loved it. He used to click in his elbows. He now does not. So that's pretty cool. But my biggest thing that I wish I knew before I even got into veterinary medicine is like you have to like continue learning. It's not the same stuff every single day. Like it is a hospital. You do have to keep up with all your medications, all of your protocols, even like allergies. Like people come in now, unfortunately, it's allergy season and people come in and they're like, oh, you know, Fluffy's got really, really inflamed feet. Okay, well, have you changed anything in their diet, let's say? No. Okay, do you like their paws, let's say? Is your dog possibly allergic to grass, anything like that? Oh, no, we don't do that. Then they come in asking about allergy testing. And that is something that is expensive. So, cough, cough, pet insurance, please get it. But allergy testing is good. It's great if you want to spend the money. But you do have to do the like immunotherapy that comes with it or it is a waste of time that is my biggest takeaway from that but i have learned a lot in the past six years like i don't know if you know what the freestyle libra is for diabetes it goes on the arm no i don't i literally worked in vet med and like i was there but i wasn't really there and what i remember is like that I can give my dogs Pepto and that's about it <laughs> to go off on that. So freestyle Libra for humans is a, um, it's a diabetes monitor for humans. It goes on the back of a person's arm. My mom uses it and it shows her levels for diabetes. And we have now been able to use it on cats and dogs to monitor their diabetes, which honestly was mind boggling to me when I first learned that. And it honestly, like, I just love the fact of that kind of medicine getting better and better and better so yeah that's that <laughs> that's fucking sick that is so cool imagine just being like yo fluffy's looking a little woozy over there let's just check the diabetes oh shit where's the insulin <laughs> that's fucking sick that is so cool that's probably put so many owners mind at ease being able to check the levels just like that oh yeah so i've seen a lot of that in like i worked at boundary bay veterinary medicine big specialty hospital i was the csr for the internal medicine department and that was a very cool experience was not my cup of tea we did go back to regular practice but just watching and learning that kind of stuff because it's an emergency clinic right so you see all these codes and people running around and doing CPR and all these things and this the uh, freestyle lever was something super cool and there is obviously allergy testing that 
there's a couple of them. You can do the blood or you can actually physically do like shave the dog and prick them with all the allergies and watch it. I think that's a bit old school now. But even to like foods and stuff like that, like I know that obviously kibble versus raw, that's a whole nother topic, but like there's a product from Royal Canin that the food is actually, this sounds horrible, but there is feathers that is broken down into food. So the body cannot recognize the protein. So that's another allergy thing that obviously you just need proteins the body does not recognize, so it can't react to. And so that's another thing that's super cool that I've learned over the years too. Here you go, Atlas. Here's a bunch of feathers for you to eat. I kind of want to take a little bit of a segue here and talk about a more, I guess, trigger warning kind of topic. And I want to talk about mental health in the vet medicine industry. I know speaking from my own experiences, I would actually have panic attacks before I would enter the clinic that I worked at. It was a very toxic and hostile work environment. I met a very amazing girl who I'm still friends with. actually met her before I worked there. That's kind of how I got my foot in the door. Shout out Caitlin. But I would actually have these panic attacks before going into work because unfortunately the office manager and the veterinarian were horrible. They were not nice. Anything that I did wrong, it was like, you do it this way. I'm like, dude, we're not in the military. Please don't scream at me. I am a human being with feelings. So I would just like to know your take on how your mental health, if you're comfortable, potentially takes a toll or how you help your mental health while working such a demanding, long day kind of job industry. Obviously, people are aware that veterinarians are the highest rate of obviously suicide, trigger warning everybody. But unfortunately, it is kind of real talk at that point. There is a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. Obviously, euthanasia is not easy on anybody to do. And I wouldn't want to put anybody obviously in that position. They do it obviously because it's needed. But a lot of the times, people don't really know how drastic things can change in a vet clinic. And I've recently learned myself that you need to really make work work and your at-home life, your at-home life. You can't bring it home. You can't just go home and vent it all out because let's say your parents, your mom, your grandma, your significant other don't want to hear about it. And they watch you get so worked up as well too. The bullying in veterinary medicine, a lot of the times it's a lot of girls. And unfortunately, girls are catty and there's cliques. So that's another huge one that does play a toll on some people is bullying. And like you said, some doctors, some doctors are old school and they yell and they scream and they're nasty. There's some doctors that are even younger and they're lovely. And I love working with most of my doctors. But you hear the horror stories that they're nasty and they talk behind your back and they yell and scream at you and they call you not stupid in front of your faces or anything like that, but just say that like, oh, you screwed this up. Like, why would you do that? How do you not know that? It does take a toll on you sometimes. And you really have to just take a step back and say, oh, hang on a second. Like you said, managers, some managers aren't as lovely as the ones that I have had. It's a great industry, but at the same time, it's not a great industry to be in. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely taking work home with you, I think, would be a hard thing to separate because you care about the animals and you care about 
you know, the owners who have these sick and dying animals and you tend to take all of that home, especially if you're an empath or somebody with like general feelings, you do take that home with you and think about that kind of stuff. What are the steps that you've taken to be able to leave work at work and to be present at home with Porter and your wonderful, but not yet fiance, Liam? Yeah, I'm still working on it. A lot of the times, like, like you were kind of saying, like, yes, the pets, but it's also the conversations with the owners that is the most really upsetting. Like, oh, you know, like, my husband died a couple years ago, and Fluffy's the only thing I have left. Like, it's that kind of stuff, and it unfortunately gets burned into your brain. But honestly, just even turning on my Do Not Disturb, like, just shutting it off completely... I have recently gone out for a nice long walk with Porter, just him and I by ourselves. I just shut off my phone and just walked. Liam has been very, very awesome about just being like, nope, you know what? Let's just stop talking about work. Like, let's watch like a Netflix show while we eat dinner or something like that. Like, he's been very good about it. Because unfortunately, the last little bit I have been struggling after six years, it has not been a good time. And it is something that people don't recognize. And there is obviously things that you can do about it so trying to just leave it at work like even to have been told to take the scrubs off when you are leaving work and just leave it there like just completely leave everything there and just to try your best to just turn it off which is easier said than done <laughs> yeah it's definitely easier said than done one big thing that you mentioned was uh, recently you're taking big long walks with porter and shutting your phone off I think that that's amazing. That's one of my favorite things to do whenever I feel overwhelmed or overworked or any of that kind of stuff. Just taking an hour out of my day and just being connected with my dogs, whether it's Penny or Penny and Atlas or all three of them. It's truly an amazing moment, honestly, especially when you work in such a fast paced industry. And also, especially when, you know, I come home and I deal with reactive dogs and the annoying dogs and all of the dogs, you know. So taking that moment for yourself and even like having that bonding moment for Porter is really, really special. I do want to touch up on the fact that you said that you've been in this industry for six years. Do you find that there is a burnout rate and do you think that you might be close to it just out of curiosity? Yes, I had recently just come to terms with that. So there is something called compassion fatigue, which you see with mostly doctors, but really anybody can get it. But burnout is something that people get, and I realized that I did have it. I took some time off work, and I was driving back to work on whatever day I was scheduled back, and it was hard. I had to stop the car, and there was a lot of crying, and I think that is what I have going on, other than other things that I have now been brought up to my attention after this whole thing, but yes. Burnout and compassion fatigue are two massive things in the industry. I'm still learning about both of them. So yeah, unfortunately, that is a huge thing. I just want to uh, note something for our listeners out there. Myself and Florence, and I can also speak for Sam here, are extremely passionate about mental health. It's extremely important to take care of yourself. If you can't take care of yourself, then you can't take care of anybody else or anybody else's dog properly. So if you're listening to this right now and you are struggling, that is okay. We all struggle. I started this morning extremely angry for no reason. And, you know, then you tap into yourself and you're like, why are you so angry right now at a pretty butterfly? 
crawling past your face or flying past your face. And honestly, it's just sometimes those days, you know, you have emotions just built up and there's no other way that you can express them. So making sure that you can recognize those feelings and do something to help those feelings or to help you feel better is extremely important. At any point, my DMs and Florence's DMs, and I'm going to speak for Sam, are open at any point. So if you're feeling shut down or discouraged at any point, please feel free to reach out to us because it's extremely important that you keep yourself healthy and you keep your mind healthy. Again, I just wanted to touch up on your walks with Porter. How have you found that that's been beneficial for you and your mental health? Now that I'm not so anxious to take him out on longer, bigger hikes because of his joints. It was always a thing for me. I was like, no, he's got to stay on straight, cushiony, like grass areas just because with the knees and the joints, like he would limp after like, let's say like a two kilometer hike. And it was like, it wasn't fair. So now that everything is somewhat fixed, it has been pretty honestly good. And where he's at mentally too, like it's almost like a switch. Like, the normal walk, it's kind of just, okay, he knows he's engaging with me, he's doing all the things, but, like, to watch him freely run and not give a shit about anything else other than the nature and then, like, checking in with me, a lot of times it doesn't really go far from me, but it is such a cool thing to be able to watch him decompress and then I can finally bring myself down and decompress with him so that's also a really cool thing that I've learned that is needed I think in both of ours because we're both anxious people at this point so (laughs) it's so crazy how much our dogs can just help us just by existing like just you just said watching him decompress makes me decompress and bring yourself down like, it's insane how much dopamine dogs give you. Somebody doesn't like dogs, to hell with them. No, I'm just kidding. But how can you not like dogs? I also would love to talk more about your compassion fatigue. And if you can share a little bit more about what that means. And do you find that you're having a little bit of kind of like a breakup with your job? in a sense. Do you know what I mean? Grieving. Like you're kind of grieving your job because you're going through like this compassion fatigue, which typically you said kind of goes hand in hand with the burnout. So the crying that you expressed to me earlier when you had to pull over your car, do you think you're grieving a part of your job that you used to love? Absolutely grieving. That's for sure. Compassion fatigue, I always mix them up, unfortunately. So Compassion fatigue and burnout sometimes go hand in hand. Compassion fatigue and burnout, I always get mixed up, so I don't want to go horribly into it. But I do think that, yes, burnout is a big one, but even compassion fatigue, because I do work with somebody that I've worked with for multiple years. And when I did listen to a continuing education video while we were having kind of a slower day, and going through it and I kind of took off my headphones and I was like, wow, that was really eye-opening. Like, I don't think that I actually knew exactly what was going on. And she's like, oh, like, what, what were you listening to? And I was like, compassion fatigue and burnout. And she's like, oh, and what'd you think? And I kind of looked at her and I was like, I think I might have both. 
And she's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, great. And so now I have to learn that it is hard to think about that, but to, to have compassion for everything that you do is so hard. And the industry itself is so stressful. Not only the anesthesia surgery part, not only the appointments, not only anything like that, but some clients and some customers can be so nasty. And even too, like you see them at their lowest points as well. Like let's say Fluffy is so sick. And like I said, that was the last part of the husband or the wife that they had. And to have that put onto you, like a lot of times I do have to take a minute after, let's say, euthanasia and be like, wow, this was really a really hard one. Or when you've seen the dog, like they just got the dog, let's say, unfortunately, eight years old and they had to get cancer or they got cancer and they couldn't keep the dog healthy enough and they did have to euthanize and they only had four years. It's very hard on somebody to watch the relationship build and watch the dog come in constantly because they're so sick. Burnout and compassion fatigue are a bit different, but it kind of slides into the like, same thing. And you do have to kind of step back and really look at the big picture. And you have to say, hey, is this something that I have to actually take time off with? Or can I continue, but let's say cut hours down or let's take something off my plate? Because a lot of the times in the industry, you do wear a lot of hats as well. Like I monitor anesthetics. Then I decide to go and get a dog in with like a brand new puppy. Then let's say the next appointment's a euthanasia. That is so much for somebody to physically, mentally think about and deal with. And I don't think people really recognize that is how the veterinary medicine does work. Yeah, I won't make you talk too much about it because I do know that it is a touchy subject for you. And I know that you've been struggling with it recently. So I do appreciate you chatting to me about it. And I'm sure that there's somebody out there that is appreciating it as well. Is there any kind of takeaways that you would like to suggest or any advice to anybody wanting to go into the vet industry? What would you suggest for them? When I first went into my program, the teacher asked us, why did you come into the industry or why do you want to be in the industry? And most of the class said, I don't like people. And she actually corrected us and was like, you are going into an industry that is people oriented. Like you have to deal with people every day. So that's a big one. And I've learned obviously that yes, but again, you wear a lot of hats. So 50-50. Also, if you want to be a veterinary assistant or anything in the veterinary medicine, it is not about the money. <laughs> at all. It is about something you love doing. And so if you love helping animals, you like the animal health industry, this is perfect for you. The biggest takeaway is pet insurance because we love pet insurance. <laughs> and honestly, just try and take care of yourself, I think is the biggest takeaways I've got. Yeah, definitely. Vet med is not where you make the big bucks. <laughs> not unless you're the veterinarian. Well, I think that that concludes pretty much our episode today. I would love to connect your social medias to this episode. So Porter the American Bully on Instagram and anybody can reach out to you. Anybody in the mission area that would like to go for a dog walk with 
Sam and Porter, or if you have any questions that we may have not covered in the dog industry, please feel free to reach out to Sam. I'm saying that and hoping that she's agreeing with me. As Florence would say, thank you for tuning in. Is there any last final words that you would like to share with our 12 followers today? Thank you very much to the 12 followers for listening. We love you all. And I do want to thank both Taylor and Florence for allowing me to be on this podcast. Thank you, ladies, very much. It's been a honor. But yes, like Taylor said, anybody can reach out. Order the American Bully is our Instagram, and we would love to chat about anything and everything. So we are an open book. I'll make sure to have Sam's social media linked below. And we will be hopefully airing another episode next Monday, May first i think as flo likes to say we will link our social medias below we'll have sam's below with porter and then we'll also have our own personal training instagram linked below and if you have any questions or any topics that you would like us to cover in the following episodes or would like to be a guest on our episode please feel free to reach out we are the bad dog moms podcast on instagram And that concludes our episode for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And Florence, you suck for leaving us, but that's okay. We still love you. We are the Bad Dog Moms. (laughs) 